Myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 259. This time around, we welcome back horror legend Bill Mosley. A time of release, his new film, Prisoners of the Ghostland, is in theaters and on VOD now. Spend some time with Bill as he tells you about getting the chance to work with the incomparable Sion Sono and Nick Cage on this spectacular thrill ride through a post-apocalyptic dreamland that's part western, part noir, it's got ninjas, samurais, and an exploding leather suit. Learn how he developed his character, The Governor, and see what he's up to musically, including with the band Ice Nine Kills, starring in a string of their most recent horror-themed music videos, The Return of Spider Mountain, and so much more. Episode 259 starts now. Hey, it's your old pal Chop Top here. Uh, I want to buy some uh, radio ad time on the Boo Crew podcast for this important message. Lick my plate, you dog dick. My granddaughter has been lost to us. I would have her return to me post-haste. And you, sir, I am told, are the man to do the job. Each arm is equipped with an explosive device. Your trousers are also equipped with explosives. (laughs) Really? Just beyond the point where we now stand lies a highway where evil reigns. What is this? At the end of five days, if you have not returned with Benice, well, I think you get the idea, son. Godspeed. This is the ghost land. A land of no escape. We are not the ones who hold her captive. It's been two days, and still she is missing. get out of here. <laughs> you must surrender to fate. The Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studios, a beloved horror legend and returning guest with over 130 credits as an actor, bringing to life some of the most memorable characters in cinema. Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Otis and Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses trilogy, Luigi Largo, and countless others. He's worked with Clint Eastwood to Sam Raimi, appeared in the world's biggest TV shows like ER and Days of Our Lives, and has even recorded original music 
with mythical creators like Buckethead and Pantera's Phil Anselmo. He's a multi-award winning performer who always takes chances, making him thrilling to follow as he continues to seek out fun and interesting projects every single time. His latest is a new film from Scion Sono. It's called Prisoners of the Ghost Land. It's in theaters and VOD September 17th. Also stars Sofia Butella, Nick Cassavetes, and Nicolas Cage, who claims it's the wildest movie he's ever made. It says so right on the fucking poster. We are honored to welcome yeah. the one and only Mr. Bill Mosley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Good to be here. Hey, good to have you as always. So, man, it is yeah. a busy, busy time for you, not only with awesome films like this one coming out, but also as mandates and, and things like that have allowed you've returned to the convention circuit and the busy convention season now. I mean, this is it heading up to Halloween. I haven't been and Leo hasn't been back to monster, you know, son of monster, any of that stuff in such a long time. What is the convention scene like? How does it feel? Does it feel safe? What's the whole process like? Now? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, whoop. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's thriving. I mean, it is. Uh, you know, it's jam packed. Lots of people are dying to get out of their house. You know, a lot of the horror fans. Uh, you know, it's actually very interesting. I, I I've done. I did three weekends in a row the last three weekends, except for this past weekend. Prior to that, three weekends in a row. One to uh, Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is Philly adjacent. Uh, then it was Astronomicon in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is Detroit adjacent. And then uh, two weekends ago, it was uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con. And uh, the last two uh, conventions I did with my wife, Lucinda Jenny, because uh, she's in Three from Hell, if you guys yep. oh, yeah. know that. So, uh, and she was also one of the stars of Thinner. So she, she's, you know, my new traveling buddy on the, on the horror circuit. Uh, but you know what? Most of the, um, I, I did a bunch of selfies and most of the horror fans that I would casually ask uh, are vaccinated. I, I don't know. I think maybe horror fans, uh, you know, prefer to see their horror on the screen. <laughs> and, right. and not yes. in the ER. <laughs> so, right. Uh, so there was uh, there wasn't really yeah. much worry there. Uh, you know, both my wife and I we were vaccinated back in Jan Feb, and um, uh, when we got off the, you know, we had done that 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 three weekends in a row. We, you know, we both went and got tested, and you know, everything's cool. So um, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I I play it safe. But um, a lot of people are very excited just to get out of the house, I think. So I think that's why. Uh, although, you know, so you just mentioned Monster Palooza, and I, I see that that just got canceled. So uh, because of the Delta variant. Uh, so that's sad. But um, uh, I think this coming weekend, you know, Crypticon in Minneapolis, where I'll be, uh, I think Texas Frightmare Weekend, which is one of the biggies, is happening this weekend in Dallas. So, you know, I think people are still. I don't know if it's a devil may care attitude or if it's just like, I got to get out of this house. I wanted to mention too, with, uh, with all this stuff coming out in the new film, something else came out today or it's coming out today. I've, I've been looking for it. It hasn't dropped yet, but the new video for ice nine kills for rainy day is coming out. And I, we saw you in the, in the assault and batteries one as, as the captain yeah. chasing horror wood oh, on the trail of yeah. horror I'll wood. get you horror wood. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's what happened to the beard, by the way. Poor, uh, you know, the governor was fighting, but uh, you know, cops don't wear beards for the most part. So, you know. <laughs> well, before 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 we get into prisoners, d- talk a little bit about your uh, relationship with with Ice Nine Kills. I mean, we know you're a huge music fan, and and you hooked up with them, I think, last year for their Silver Stream, and you hosted that, which was amazing. And then to see you back with these guys and what they're doing in, in fusing rock and and more metal and horror is just a astounding what how did you hook up with them and what's your take on what they're doing you know i think i i think actually the uh the person who put us together was uh george Flahakis, who is the uh, manager of twisted okay and yeah twisted puts on astronomicon and so i've been up there uh, the last four years and uh i guess I don't, I don't know if george manages ice nine kills but there's a connection there i think they're on tour with twisted some there was some business connection and um and so he put me in touch with them for uh the silver stream and you know i, I loved working with those guys uh you know uh spencer is uh, really a cool guy the, the the lead singer and uh and so i um uh, boy i just uh you know got along well with him and then they were doing you know the uh, assault and batteries and um uh, and they wanted me to play a cop. And it just so happens I, I was currently at that time filming a new movie called Chastiser and uh, in which I was playing a cop. Perfect. <laughs> so I was ready. I was already, I really, you know, I was already prepped and ready to go as, as uh, whatever kind of cop they wanted. And so uh, I had a ball. I had a ball working with them. Um, I like the script. I like the story. Of course, I like the genre. So, you know, a marriage made in hell. I can't yeah. wait to turn up singing on, on one of the songs. That's what I want to see. I want to see either Side Project or You Want a Nice Night Kills album. That's what I want to see. Well, you know, actually, speaking of which, I'm actually working with uh, my old buddy, Ronnie Sharon. We're actually working on a new uh, Spider Mountain album. Oh, that's we, amazing. We, yeah, we partnered about eight years ago. And then uh, during the pandemic, you know, that's that's the one thing that I can recommend for everybody. And that is... You know, if you're uh, is turn off the TV and either get at the, you know, the piano or the or the typewriter or whatever you've got and, you know, let some of that stuff out creatively. Yeah, that's what happened to me. I just thought, you know, it's just, you know, my head was starting to fill with music because, uh, you know, I was getting a little stir crazy. And uh, I just called up Ronnie Sharon and said, hey, man, what do you think? And he said, I'm down. So we've been. You know, so I and he lives on the, uh, you know, he lives about an hour by car from me. So I just get on the old, you know, 210 of the, you know, whatever the freeway is out there and just you know, go to his place and, you know, crank him out. So we've got about, uh, I guess, about nine songs already. So we've blown past an EP. You know, there you go. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It's a good trajectory. Are you still teaming up with the nice. Warbeast guys? Are you still doing that Mr. Machine project? Is that still... Alive. That kind of, you know, that kind of is, uh, that's, that's, uh, on hold. Um, I think again, you know, that's COVID has really just uh, changed so many calendars and, uh, but, uh, we have, we have a couple of songs, um, with war beast. So, um, you know, that's always, you know, that's something it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a, a, a man of war, uh, jellyfish that's washed up on the beach. 
you know, it looks dead, but if you step on it, you know, it stings. So maybe the man of war has already been taken. By yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's get into prisoners of the ghost land. So September 17th is the day that we can all see it. And we've seen it already. Right. It's Sion Sono's first English language film. And what a force that guy is. I mean, everything he's done dripping yeah. with style, tons of uh. blood, He's got a really heightened and surreal attack. I love. I was a big fan of Tokyo Vampire Hotel. That was kind of my gateway. And then I went back and watched uh, Suicide Club from 2001, oh, yeah. which is insane. I mean, it's notorious. Anyone listening who is not familiar, go check it out and uh, bring a strong stomach. What was your gateway into Scion's work? I think the first one I saw was probably uh, Tokyo Tribe. No, I think it was Suicide Club and then Tokyo Tribe. Uh, why don't you play in hell? Uh, and then I, I, I started getting into it. The more I saw, the more momentum I got. Hair Extensions was a big favorite of mine. Anti-Porno is an amazing movie. But you know what my favorite is? Cold Fish. I have not seen it. Oh, man. Check that out. It is awesome. That, that, gets, that gets, you know, five stars. What's the uh, premise? I don't even know. <laughs> just, no idea. just an assault. <laughs> <laughs> just a visual assault. I have no idea. But it is awesome. <laughs> so did you go back and watch all this stuff when you heard there was interest in this project or how did it work? How did you guys hook up? I think I think the you know the interest in me being in the project was what obviously, you know, stimulated my uh my my looking up all of all of his stuff and uh and I just was, uh, oh, oh, and, oh, you know what started it was tag, T-A-G. Oh, you know, if you, if that, that opening scene in tag, there's a bunch of schoolgirls on a bus, I'll say no more, but that's all you need to see, man. That just was like, whoa, what is that? So just, just, that was very exciting for me. And um, it turns out uh, Scion was, uh, a fan of mine, which was really great. What what luck that was, and uh, and so when I guess when I was considered for the part of the governor, you know, I had some thumbs up. Uh, Nicholas Cage, I had met. I, I met him uh, at Rob Zombie's wedding. We, we we were sitting. I don't think we were sitting at the same table, but you know, a, a table over. I, I think I was introduced to him. Uh, and Lisa Marie back then. Also, Nick was on Werewolf Woman of the SS, uh, Rob Zombie's fake trailer for uh, for Grindhouse. And so, I mean, I was in the same you know makeup trailer with him, but I never really you know I didn't you know put my arm around him and say you know how you doing, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, because of those connections, I think you know because of the Rob Zombie connection. Uh, and and certainly Nick and Rob are good friends. Um, that was kind of that that helped to shine a green light on me. So um, so I got the gig, and uh, man, boy, was that a, was that a wild ride? Oh God, I can only imagine. Well, let's get into that ride, Leo. You had a question, man. Yeah, I was wondering if the director Sonoga fleshed out the off-screen backstory to your character and as to how he ended up as the governor in power. Uh, he did not. Um, he may have, but I, I, I wasn't there for it. <laughs> so, uh, maybe I wasn't paying attention. Uh, <laughs> that, that happens sometimes, especially when you get to the, you know, this age. Uh, but 
No, you know, I uh, the only all I knew from uh, beyond the script was um, I was sent um, a list of about 40 different measurements uh, that they wanted of me in order to fashion the suit, the shoes, the hat and uh, the government. I mean, the governor's wardrobe. So I had, you know, literally 40 different measurements, uh, you know, bicep, uh, wrist, ankle, you know, just stuff that, you know, above and beyond, you know, the so-called regular uh, measurements. So I knew that there was something special about the wardrobe. I had so many, I had so much uh, kind of explaining to do in terms of how the suit that Nicolas Cage wears uh, works and what are the what are the pros and cons of it? And I just had a lot of stuff that I couldn't really ad lib. I mean, it was very specific. So I pounded lines for, you know, literally, uh, you know, months before, uh, you know, I showed up in Japan. And, um, you know, and so I had an, a general idea of the governor, but I didn't quite have the specifics until I did a costume fitting with uh, with Scion. And uh, uh, I got into my costume, put on the hat, I had my beard. And um, and then he uh, and then he brought out or the the wardrobe person brought out a pair of uh, red leather driving gloves. So I pulled those on and it was like, ah, you know, because then because then Simon looks at me and goes, governor, you know, and I'm like, ah, so I'm basically like, you know, capitalism, you know, the bloody hands and the white suit, you know, the evil of something, you know, there was something bigger than just a character, bigger than me. When I got that, you know, that then, the, then you know, as the music swelled in my you know, actor's discovery moment, then the voice came trippingly out of me, which was somewhere between uh, Colonel Sanders and Foghorn Leghorn. Hey, boy! I'll tell you, kid, you know, one of those things. And uh, I'd never done that voice before. So uh, it just came out and, you know, we were good to go. So he gave you free reign with kind of doing the the intricacies of that character and the accent and everything. He was just like, just do your thing. Yeah, he, he did. You know, I didn't really. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I just went out there and cranked it out and uh, and everybody seemed, you know, they didn't stop me. So, yeah, just, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's always I a good sign. Was, I guess it was a good choice. The Boo Crew will be right back. Please. Uh, please, please help. What happened was true. Some of the victims didn't have time to scream. Others weren't as lucky. Now, Bryanston Pictures presents every grisly detail of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America, and without a doubt, the most realistic shocker ever filmed. Sally, I hear something. Stop! Stop! Even if one of them survives, what will be left after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parents.
what was the process of just like working with a guy like that to get what he wanted? Did he have a translator as well? Does he, does he speak English? Yes. How, how was that whole dialogue between you guys? He did have a translator. Um, and I'm sad, but a lot of times it was just, uh, what I would, what I would hear was, you know, let's, we need to do that one more time. Or, you know, I, I you know, I, I just, it's kind of it's fun, but it's very daunting not to understand the native tongue of the production. Yeah, of course. Uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of times, like it took me a while to learn what the word action was. <laughs> Sometimes they would be shouting and I would start acting and, and they were, you know, shouting for, you know, more, you know, hot water or something. So. You know, I, uh, I I would wait. And, and finally, I, I asked the translator if he could just when when action was called, if he could just kind of, you know, throw a finger at me like that. And then I would, you know, jump into jump into action. But but actually, that was also it was interesting because there wasn't really a lot of, you know, you basically had to do a lot more by osmosis, say, than you would otherwise. Uh, but, uh, you know, it all seemed to be fine, I think. I think if it if it didn't work, you know, it, there would be there was there was some way of communicating that. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, worked out OK. Yeah, there's a, this unfortunate story that Scion suffered a heart attack and the production was moved from Mexico to Japan. Was your part? Uh, were you part of that production move or were most of your scenes filmed in Mexico? Um, no, no. I, I uh, when I came aboard, <clears throat> I came aboard and maybe. Uh, October of 2019. And, um, and I remember, you know, the job, you know, was mine, signed, sealed, delivered. My wife and I were in a honeymoon suite overlooking the Horseshoe Falls in, on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. And uh, <laughs> we, were, we were at a convention. And, uh, you know, when the call came through. It's a done deal. What wasn't set was uh, the start date. That seemed to, you know, be moving a bit. Um, but it was Japan uh, from the get-go for me. And um, well, what was interesting was that my wife and I had planned a cruise up the Mekong River from uh, Saigon, now Ho Chi Minh City, up to Nam Pen, Cambodia, and that was going to happen, you know, in early November. And so I remember you know, getting, you know, I got the job and then the, then they, you know, it was like, you know, do I want to, you know, am I retired and, you know, going up on a cruise or am I still an actor? You know, and I was kind of like weighing the different sides of that coin and it didn't take long. It was like, I got to go for this. This is amazing opportunity to go to Japan, work with Nick Cage, work with Science Sono. I mean, come on, man. So, so I booted. I said, I told my wife, I said, well, you can go on the cruise by yourself. <laughs> so she was, did she do it? Did she do it? She did. She That's always, awesome. I would imagine practical. that'd be freaking cool. I mean, I love cruises yeah. and then yeah, do them by is. yourself, man. Wow. Well, it, was, yeah. it was with, uh, it was with the, uh, you know, it's our, you know, my college's educational travel group. So it was, you know, there was a bunch of people, you know, 20, 15 or 20 people. So it wasn't going to be just by yourself, but, you know, she said, yeah, yeah, no problem. I don't need you. So <laughs> which is why I married her. So so there was the thought was that I was going to go to Japan and do the movie while she was cruising up the, the Mekong. And um, and then they ended up uh, changing start dates uh, for me. And so I ended up 
cruising with my wife. So we cruised up, you know, from you know Vietnam to Cambodia. Look, you know, watch the sun rise over Angkor Wat. You know, I mean, just amazing. And then uh, she got on a plane to fly back to LA, and I got on a plane to uh, fly to Japan. So worked out perfectly. Now the set design and everything in this thing is is massive too, and also really really is conducive to seeing it on a big screen because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. What was it yeah. like to see these crazy sets in the samurai city that, that they had built there? It was really breathtaking. I, uh, you know, if I had any misconceptions about what the movie was beforehand, when I saw the sets, I realized this is, uh, you know, first of all, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, the, the Scion's aesthetics are really un- incredible. But also it was epic. I think that was the best way to describe it because there were the, the colorfully tricked out trucks, the Dacturas. Uh, there were cowboys. There were samurais. There was ninjas. There was the great uh, the Japanese great Tak Sakaguchi from Versus. I mean, spinning around and killing 50 people with his sword. And I just it was just it was like it was like, whoa. You know, because I'm I'm certainly used to more of uh, you know the low budget uh, stuff, which is great, and you know and I love I love dearly. But this was like wow! It was like uh, kind of like a you know, Cecil B. DeMille, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's also got those moments where yeah. everybody's like, it's got musical moments almost, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. people yelling things out in choruses and just random random beats like that that you don't expect right. that <laughs> seem very choreographed. Was that was yeah. that a big part of trying to learn the beats of everything? Was that where you had to be cognizant of that? Well, there was, you know, there was one, there was a kind of a parade where we're parading one of the girls who's gone into the ghost land with my granddaughter, Bernice has come back and now we're kind of breaking or parading her through town. And um, I'm not sure just how that came about. I, you know, cause it ends up being kind of very rhythmic, uh, almost like a dance movement, very choreographed. I just, I just made up kind of this drag step. I don't know if it was from like football practice when I was a kid, I, there was something, but there was just something so, uh, uh you know, there was something kind of mystical about the whole, the whole the whole experience where it just kind of all everything kind of flowed. There was music. There were, uh, you know, there was I remember there was certainly one wall with a big, you know, pink face with girls heads, literally live girls heads sticking out of the wall. Uh, you know, there are just just some amazing uh, stuff to it so that it really kind of lent itself to whatever, you know, those musical or you know, spiritual, emotional feelings were just, uh, you know, made it very easy to, uh, you know, blink your eyes and be in another world. Being a mythical actor yourself, what was it like to work with the also mythical Nick Cage? Is he the kind of guy who they kind of wheel out to do a scene, then he, they take him back to Nick Cage land and you never see him out of character? Or what's his dynamic like? <laughs> He was really a great guy. Um, I had, you know, I, as I say, I had met him, you know, very cursorily once or twice, but um, uh, he was uh, really, I I was really happy to work with him. I I was nervous at first because, you know, with uh, sometimes with, you know, big stars and he he is an Oscar winner that, uh, you know, that they might frown upon your, you know, what you're bringing to the table. 
you know, that's always my concern. I, I'm worried that he's going to go, I, are you going to do it like that? <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, you know, I mean, yeah, and that's that's happened to some other friends with, uh, you know, other situations, not with Nick. But, um, you know, those are kind of the fears, the insecurities of an actor who comes in with something, you know, it's, you know, you know, your role, your part is so, you know, very fragile. It, it's at first, at least, you know, it, it's kind of like a little a little baby and then it grows and you get stronger and then, you know, you get into the rhythm of the character. And by the by the end of the shoot, you can, you know, toss off the Gettysburg address as Otis, you know, I mean, no problem. But, uh, you know, in the, in the infancy of the governor and of course, you know, for me, um, it was like uh, we had to jump right into it. So it was, you know, and I had a lot of stuff to say about, you know, to Nick and about his suit and, you know, to everybody assembled. And uh, he just couldn't have been more present, focused. Uh, he was totally into it. And, uh, you know, whenever I saw him work, he went for it. And that's really what I love the most about acting. You know, I, I love going for it. Just fucking go for it. And, uh, you know, if they need to pull you back in a little bit, you know, that's the director's job. But um, I, I thought he was just a wonderful guy and a nice guy off the set, you know, off the off the camera. You know, we sat around. It was uh, we were, you know, in Japan in November, December. It's cold, you know, like snow. And um so we were sitting around little hand warmers, you know, when, when they were setting up scenes and shots and things. So, you know, we had a, we had a, you know, had like a little campfire conversations, you know, great guy. And, um, I, then when we came back into, uh, uh, you know, done, done shooting, you know, months later back in Los Angeles, uh, I went to the uh, opening or a premiere screening of, uh, colors of out of space. And there he was, he was like, Hey, Bill, how's it going? And, and my wife, Lucinda Jenny, had worked with him on Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and he, yes. you know, they had a little chat, you know, and so he was really, you know, very nice and, and remembered our conversations around the, the little campfires. And uh, you know, I just couldn't have been a nicer guy. Since you mentioned Tak uh, Sakaguchi. I mean, he's such a master, like a graceful swan killing people with a samurai sword. <laughs> uh, were there any uh, samurai sword fighting scenes uh, filmed with you fighting Tak? Or Nicolas Cage that ended up on the cutting room floor. Oh, nice pun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, no. <laughs> you know, I, you know, because he was Yasujiro. He was my bodyguard, so I was always, you know, when I were, whenever my bluster was questioned, I would always squeal back to Yasujiro. Yasujiro, you know, and push him out there to fight all my battles. So I didn't have any fights with 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 uh, with talk, but. I did, you know, I did have a, a copy of Versus that I got signed by Tuck. So I feel, I feel that is like that. That's all I, you know, that. And, um, and by the way, you know, last you know, two weekends ago when I was in Colorado Springs, I got an eight by 10 signed by Jerry Mathers, the beaver. No way. And I said to Bill, <laughs> my friend, Jerry Mathers, the beaver. I, like, oh. <laughs> I, mean, I really wanted to drop to my knees. Jerry. <laughs> you know, so. You've been bringing something new to conventions that I'm really excited about. And that I was, I was able to see the first issue of is uh, cursed cornfield. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And yeah, bringing onions to life as a horror host, which is a phenomenal. <laughs> 
Well, I've been I've been friends for many years with uh, the great illustrator Simon Kudrensky, and Simon S Z Y M O N uh, K U D R A N S K I. If you're you know writing this down at home, uh, is you know he does uh, Spawn, he does Batman. I mean, he is like you know one of the one of the top illustrators, uh, whatever you would call it, a cartoon person, uh, not what would you call it? A comic book illustrator. Sure. Yeah. Comic book uh, whatever he is. And, uh, and he, he contacted me and said, man, we should do something uh, during the, you know, the pandemic. Thank you. Pandemic. And so I had this idea about, uh, you know, the cornfield and, and I thought, you know, geez, there's onions who's been on the shelf for many years since uh, I did that giant robot album with Buckethead. And uh, and so that kind of, you know, stuff started to come together. I'm a science guy. I used to write for Omni magazine. So, of course, there's Syzygy jumps in there as uh, little elements of uh, I shouldn't you know, give it away. But uh, yeah, check it out. Chris Cornfield Comics, issue number one. Number two, come out one of these days. Uh, Simone is a very busy guy, but uh, I've got a couple of very weird ideas so that should be fun oh that's so so did you have a hand and you had a hand in writing the stories in the first issue as well uh, yeah i wrote i wrote the whole thing that's yeah. amazing i can't wait to see where this goes and i love the way he drew onions too it looks yeah. outstanding well, you wanted me i had to take pictures and, and you know my face and profiles and send them off to him so he kind of sculpted onions face that way and my younger daughter, Marion, uh, came up with the name of my familiar, the, the crow. I said, you know, I'm trying to think of a name for the crow. She said, what about Scowl? I went, yeah, that's Perfect. great. Yeah, that's great awesome. name. There you go. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Marion Mosley. Marion has also uh, illustrated my dead sled coffee. I now have a bag of coffee. Oh, called, she did uh, that too? Yes, yeah, so they, the, the graphics on there. And um, I have a beard oil on Etsy. Called for body scares, and it's a beard oil. And of course, right when it you know came on the market, you know my my beard left <laughs> left the room. So I say yes, it's, it's, it's a stubble. It's a stubble right. oil too. It's, you come up with an aftershave. An aftershave. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but she she illustrated that as well. So she's you know I'm you know bringing her along. I've got a big nice little spot for her on the new uh, Spider Mountain album. So she's doing good. Older daughter is in New York right now uh, doing uh, fashion week. She's a, a high fashion model. And uh, you can see her on Oodles of Pain. That is her uh, Instagram handle. <laughs> so. Amazing stuff, Bill. It's so great. And always, always a pleasure to talk to you. One last thing before we yes. go. Anything else coming out that uh, fans can look forward to seeing you in? Well, I, you know, again, the Ice Nine Kills videos. Please just keep tuning into those. There's more to come. And um, uh, Chastiser, which I just just wrapped with Malcolm Dinar, who was in it, too. So it was fun to work with him again. Uh, I hadn't worked with him since Smothered. Aye, aye, aye. But um, and Malcolm, of course, from Christine, you know, you know, Malcolm, he's in a lot of great stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, and I'm just uh, as I say, I'm just packing up my kit for uh, for Minneapolis. So Minneapolis, here I come. <laughs> Awesome, Bill. Dude, thank you again so much for your time. And we will see you out there, man. Sounds good. All right. Congrats on the movie, man. Later. Oh, yes. Yes. September 17th. Very Be there or be square. And if you can, final note, please see it in the theater if you can. I mean, I know if you have to wear a mask and everything, but it's better on the big screen. 
uh, you know, you can certainly stream it. You'll get, you know, a lot out of it. Uh, but uh, if you could see it, it is epic. So if you can see it, the bigger, the better. So anyway. That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 259. Special thanks to our guest and good friend, Bill Mosley. Follow him at Chop Top Mosley on Instagram. The time of release, his new film, Prisoners of the Ghostlands, in theaters and on VOD now. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.